Welcome to The Current, a podcast series about digital transformation produced by Forbes Brand Voice with Dell Technologies and Intel. I'm your host, Michael Copeland. There's a good chance as you've traveled the streets of a growing number of cities around the world that you've seen cars festooned with every manner of spinning and fixed gizmos. Some are doing mapping, but others, the cars with their gear a bit more camouflaged, are essentially helping the vehicle see and react to the people and traffic around it. Those vehicles are gathering the data so every vehicle can drive itself. What you are seeing is the future of transportation being engineered before your eyes. At least one version of how we get to an autonomous world. Another version is being championed by our guest Jim Burke, the maestro behind the Power Racing series. Burke's version of driverless vehicles don't involve big teams and big budgets, but cheap Barbie go-karts, toys really, connected to laptops, sensors, and scrappy machine learning systems. They're just trying to make it around a track without hitting anything. Hilarity, of course, ensues. The bigger point is to bring the concepts of machine learning, image recognition, navigation, all of those things to a wider audience. And an audience that might be high school students, college students, really anyone who's into it. That's what the Power Racing series makes available, and that's what Jim is driving towards. No pun intended. Jim, welcome. Hi, how's it going? Good, great. Well, thanks for joining the podcast. Look, we, we talked about these big automotive companies, technology companies. That there's clearly a race going on toward autonomous vehicles of all kinds. But it's clear we're in a learning phase for all this. And so uh, step back from your perspective, because I think that's the Power Racing Series is all about learning. Right, yeah. Uh, the Power Racing Series kind of built on this idea of, of building things under a budget, failing a lot, and hopefully at the end of the day, you built yourself an under $500 electric go-kart that also is built from a power wheel, so it looks fun. Um, but our entire purpose is this idea of removing yourself from perfection, uh, removing the concept of having to do things the right way, uh, because it's about the journey of learning how to do something, and often those kinds of journeys are not rounded edges. They're sharp corners that have to be cut off. They're, they're components of cars that will uh, fry themselves and you'll lose a controller in the middle of a race and you have to swap them out. And that's kind of where our league focuses on like the creative expression and just educational uh, innovation because most people learn through these failures and a lot of other programs that cater to engineers and um, technologists tend to have this element of perfection, which right. is something that we we just don't do because, uh, at least philosophically speaking, it's not where the interesting things are at. Well, I think that's what's so interesting about this kind of offshoot, and, and I know the Power Racing series, the, the kind of main part of it is like, hey, let's soup up these electric uh, go-karts and make them go as fast as we can around the track. Mm -hmm. The driverless offshoot, and, and I think this is what's so interesting is because, you know, you guys are not on the city streets. You guys are trying to build these driverless go-karts that go around a track, what are you starting to learn and what does that inform you about how far we, how far away we are from this driverless future? Well, one of the things that you learn very rapidly is just how few people, how few experts there are in this field. Um, it's, it's a very deep field, but you're not going to run into as many people as you hope who have the wealth of knowledge necessary. 
And I think one of the reasons for that is it's just how rapid it is developing. Um, you have the outside look where it's something that's going to take a little time to develop, but internally speaking, the amount of innovation that happens is just profound um, to the point where like conferences for machine learning become almost obsolete at the end of the conference where it's even hard to just keep up with the research to keep up with the information which means there's fewer and fewer people at the very top and a lot of the results that you see out there and a lot of the news coverage is about you know the autonomous perfection the idea that you're going to remove uh, many tens of not hundreds of thousands of deaths from the road because these cars will have so many elements that are safe that only 0.001% will like incidents would occur. And that focus is laudable and makes sense because that's kind of the real draw of it. But getting there is kind of one of the things that I'm really fascinated by, especially in regards to how do you scale something down? Um, well, scale down its cost to scale it up. Right. And, and making like these or working with these technologies in a cheap frame is incredibly exciting, especially because, you know, if you have a closed course like we do in the Power Racing Series, we already have a race. We build a racetrack every weekend for our under $500 electric carts that are built from, you know, children's power wheels. It makes sense to use that framework and the size and dimensions of those vehicles to make autonomous vehicles that can operate within the safety of our track and gives the buffer room for people to really experiment and try new ways to solve problems or try existing ways that cost like 10% of the, of the budgets that you would see in all the newsreels on, you know, when Uber's developing something or Google's developing something. Those sensors and, and setups are $100,000 plus the car. Right. So. When you're trying to work with a budget of under five thousand or, or even lower, you're trying to work with a budget of fifteen hundred dollars. You know, it's an achievement to go around a track at like a, a brisk walk. So, so break down these vehicles for us from both the 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 cart itself to you know what's driving these things and how are people trying to solve these problems cheaply, like you say, and 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 honestly, it's got to be super creatively because they don't have the budget and they can't you know, rely on every sensor out there under the sun to, to give them perfection. Right. So there, uh, a lot of the, a couple of the teams are using like really cheap LIDAR setups. Um, problem is though, they started with more expensive ones and by more expensive, I mean like $3,000, which is still really cheap to a lot of other people. But when we're working then with ones that cost $400, which, you know, has a much, less uh lower fidelity is is uh is an understatement is an understatement <laughs> it's not as it doesn't the scan rate's not as fast it, it's processing's not as good the points aren't as as well made and you know it just all adds up and tell us explain just for those people who don't know what is lidar this is one of those things that you'll see spinning on the on the yes. roof of a car what is lidar generating and what what data is it throwing off so lidar is as it's spinning around is basically kind of like i mean it, it works the same way you can imagine a radar works except it's picking up points uh um it's bouncing off of its surrounding and creating a map so then when that data gets interpreted by you know uh a, a, like a, a jetson or or just an onboard laptop uh it's piecing together the map based on when the points bounce back so you're getting these little data points all across that then have to be constructed together into a 3D space. And that 3D space is then interpreted as this is a wall or this is a corner. And its scan rate kind of determines how, um, how far it can see ahead, 
Um, and typically with like cheaper sensors, you're only like about 10 to 15 feet or so outwards, uh, which really is difficult to do when you're going at pace because you'll get the vehicle to like go around a corner, kind of hesitate at the apex of the turn because it's processing. It's like, where the, are we? Yeah. Where are we? Yeah. yeah. And that's usually why we permit also for the cars to scan the track previously. But then it still has to follow that map and it's still adding new information as it goes each and every lap. And we've been successful with being able to do that. Um, the only problem, though, is the getting the pace, getting the repeated laps to go. Like we, we in sessions, we can get you know a car to do like twenty or so laps, no problem. But it's going to take a while, and it doesn't really make for much of a spectacle. <laughs> well, and how fast are these cars going? And cars, <laughs> I should put air quotes around that, but uh, yes, really the, toys. The, these these tiny pint-sized power wheels are not uh, going exciting speeds yet, and I, I would not want to misconstrue our advances anything more than a brisk walking pace. Uh-huh. But I, I have noticed that, like when we do have a demonstration the crowd will form around it from its novelty perspective and actually will be pretty excited as it performs turns and and actually you know makes its way around the track without any human input so the novelty factor is there but it still remains a massive challenge for us because we want to not only display these technologies as as a neat move the the camera slide over and take a picture but like as something that you'd want to watch something that's entertaining because the entertainment aspect kind of is is the uh, one of the key drives of, of an innovation engine is, is it's a feedback loop of the crowd reacting versus you know the engineers or the team members being excited about that or you know getting that draw from it because it's very inspirational it's also really exciting and it's motivational at the same time so we're we're really at the beginning of it which is why we have you know a small group of people instead of the large momentum point and we're still waiting for that momentum point to really kick in it sounds a lot like the beginnings of the pc industry honestly like where it's people just who are into it getting together and making it happen or like 2009 with 3d printing i'd say where the idea like affordable 3d printing became a thing and the first like you know to market 3d printers you either had to build one yourself which at the time was not impossible but results were left much to be desired <laughs> we're variable we're yeah. very variable <laughs> and people who were enthusiastic about showing you your 3d printer but basically spent most of their time fixing it before it could actually work but now there's so many 3d printers everywhere and they're relatively affordable and they get better and better meanwhile like everyone uh, within like i'd say the media has moved on from that while the enthusiasm is still there in the community in, in itself and i think you're going to see that same thing with a lot of these uh, technologies especially with like lidar sensors as they keep getting cheaper because they're already getting pretty cheap they just now need to get better which is usually the first step it starts getting really cheap and not very useful to cheap and useful and that takes like another couple years or so but we're get we're starting to get there The Current is produced by Forbes Brand Voice with Dell Technologies and Intel. If you step back, though, and and just more broadly, if we think about autonomous and driverless, there's arguments to be made that essentially anything that moves will not need a pilot and or a driver. Do you feel like anything that moves will no longer need somebody behind the wheel or behind the, the stick, as it were? I think it's inevitable. It's not a question of, of if, it's just a question of when. 
I will say though that uh, I I wonder where that is going to go culturally for like what does it mean to have everything autonomous where it's hands off and it's really hard to imagine what the future of autonomous anything will reveal because it's just such a a different shift in our culture that I don't even think the people who develop it exactly know where it's going to be applied and they can't like it's it's something that that is just not entirely possible the unforeseen consequence and benefit of something is always well beyond the the creator well beyond the society that enables it and it's just something that you go along with and I guess kind of hope for the best but there's always something that affects it in many ways and it's just it's just really hard to predict where do we start to see autonomous show up first is it going to be in our own cars or is it going to be trucks going down the highway in the outback in Australia or, or China or, or some other realm that we don't really think about? I, I think it would, it would mostly be an industry. I could foresee it being in the trucking industry first because there's so many ways to regulate that. And trucking industry is a very by numbers industry. It's built around commerce. It's built around making as much money for as little expenditure as possible. And in that realm, autonomous vehicles are going to be the clear winner for it. I also see it being used like by other industries as well. So, you know, no wonder Uber's working so hard on making all their vehicles autonomous because obviously they're obvi- they're much cheaper to operate that way. Whether or not that happens though is really based on what governments are okay with that and I imagine that yeah, I, I think I think you dropped the hint there. Yeah, countries like China are probably more open to the idea than other countries especially in the United States because it's such a well, I mean, it's a very difficult challenge to get right, and the United States is also very well known for its litigious nature. So, Is the argument that's being put out by most proponents of autonomous is safety? You know, there's, I can't remember the exact figure, but close to 100,000 people killed in automotive accidents in the U.S. every year, and they're saying, like, those are all clearly because we're driving, human error. If you can remove human error, you will reduce that number by some you know, exponential kind of factor. Right. Is that the argument? Or is it, hey, you don't ever have to drive again? You know? Right. I, I think it's the argument for the now. Because if you talk to anyone who has a very cursory or like just read a headline or a, a clickbait article about autonomous vehicles, the first thing that makes sense to them other than, well, why do we need this is, well, it will reduce vehicular death like exponentially to the point where it'll be incredibly rare. And I think that that's something that people can relate to because I, I don't think there is a person who hasn't been affected in one way or another. They know someone who's been in an accident or worse, they know someone who died at the, at the hand of the wheel. And I, I think that that visceral reaction to it is completely valid. It's something that is a good motivational. But the, the benefits of autonomous technologies is kind of part of the unforeseen consequence of the whole thing. It's There's a lot of things that will occur that are just simply hard to predict or even hard to explain. I remember explaining to a, a coworker I had once that like, oh, well, you can send the vehicle to like pick up your groceries or something for you while you're at work, or you can set it to, to you know, ride share so it's not just sitting parked. It's you know picking up people and, and dropping it off. So everyone's like their own public transit. And and I remember how they just it didn't register in their head that that was all they could think was well why would I not want to drive my car 
you do wonder if if my car can drive itself. Well, what is it doing all day long? You know, is, right? Is it just waiting for me? And so it does raise the question of ownership and and how attractive that'll be. I do think that there's different kind of modes of this transportation that we might want to have like make our own and mm -hmm. you know like i you know like we have our own space in our homes or our apartments we might want to build our own space in our in our driverless cars and it, you know it becomes our spot oh right and the notion of what a car is will change rapidly too because there might be cars that you know are cross country and they have beds in them or there might be cars that are entertainment and they have you know massive screens that you can watch movies with your friends with I, I i do look forward to the day where you you can get in a car with your friends to go to like some distant restaurant and you can drink along the way yeah so like, when the, when that the, sounds when, like fun <laughs> when, when the novelty of driverless wears off what are you going to do what are you going to do first i mean hopefully we're not just all going to be staring at our phones because we don't have to drive or at least more than we already do but what are you going to do for me i mean the thing is, is as a as an automotive enthusiast, uh, there's a lot of hesitation with uh, autonomous vehicles. But I also consider it like really exciting at the same time because no no person that likes cars likes sitting in traffic. I don't know a single person who would wrench on a car, would you know, look around on Craigslist for an old car that they want to work on also likes to sit in traffic all day. The the people who like to get uh, behind a wrench and work on their cars. So how how do they make this transition and you know what are they going to do? I mean, it's a great question. I'm I'm not entirely sure myself. I, I I look at what happened to people who are enthusiastic about horses to see a parallel. There I guess there'll be <laughs> car ranches or something. Like I, I I it sounds silly now, but I I totally envision like certain areas of remote areas of the country where they they set it up like an old timey town, like it's like a Disneyland ride, and you pay someone a few dollars, and oh look, I. I can drive a car like a stick shift. And they're like, wow, you had to move the gears yourself? And, right. and that's so weird. Like, the car just doesn't take you anywhere. And, and people will think it's incredible when it was completely mundane. Give it a generation or two. But I'm, I'm even okay with that, even though I know a lot of people would not be okay with it because they like the sense of being able to drive themselves. They like the sense of having that control. Even at their own peril, they're okay with that kind of you know control. Let me ask you this. This is a little bit off the beaten path, no pun intended. But, you know, what is the road trip? The road trip is, a, you know, an American kind of right um mm -hmm. or at least i love a road trip so what happens to the road trip that's a really really interesting question because as i mentioned previously there there are some people working on autonomous vehicles who don't even use their cars for that so the concept of a road trip is almost alien to them and i think that that's kind of a a weird consequence of our time the idea of just going someplace just to go somewhere seems to not be one of the end goals with a current uh, current autonomous technologies you always have to put a destination in um i i don't see many people talking about i just want my car to wander and i just want to <laughs> see the countryside or yeah. oh let's try out this place um you could have a weird playlist though in your car so oh of, yeah you know, like like i feel like i'm in this mood take me someplace yeah and there's like this like predetermined map based on mood like if it can interpret your eye movements or something and it knows that you're like hungry at this time of day it'll start like mapping out food areas that are or driving towards that so that in 40 minutes you're like oh man i really could go oh, i really want that like burrito from that one place and it's already pulling into it um i what i would say though that's going to be really interesting is the 
it's kind of weird to say, but like the element of curiosity versus someone trying to predict what you want, because a lot of current uh, connected technologies, the, the big bread and butter is how can we predict what someone wants before they know it? Right. And autonomous technology is, you know, autonomous vehicles are going to be working right lockstep with that because a lot of, you know, ad revenues built on on these concepts a lot of how we see what news articles and what we see in our friends feeds are built on that and there too goes you know an autonomous vehicle because it's a connected machine it's connected to the cars around it it's connected to you it's connected to what you want and where you want to go so when i think of a road trip i think of a future where um i hope there's space for that i hope there is space for exploration and um I'm willing to assume that because humanity is innately curious and um, incredibly resilient when it comes to being explorers, I, I just hope that we do have a future where there will be ways to do that in an autonomous car, that there will be ways to travel around, to wander, to look and explore and to find things, because I think that's something that's incredibly innately human. And regardless of any advances in technology, regardless of the kinds of things that improve our lives or, or make us feel better it's important to have that curiosity and i think any technology that opens the curiosity is a good one well I, i'm with you there and and jim burke I, I just want to thank you for for joining us on the podcast and i have to say road trip in an autonomous car i'm there with you <laughs> and let's just point it in a direction or even not and go jim burke co-founder of the power racing series thank you so much thank you very much for having me Thanks for listening to The Current, a podcast series about digital transformation produced by Forbes Brand Voice with Dell Technologies and Intel. Let Dell Technologies cloud solutions powered by Intel show you the power of digital transformation. Intel inside, powerful productivity outside.